0: Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Good morning! Hello! Ah, oh, what an honor to get to be Together this morning on such a special day. We are so happy to be here with you. It is going to take all of eternity to celebrate what we're going to celebrate for a snippet today, right? This is the heart and soul of who we are as believers. He is alive. <laughs> He is alive in me. He is alive in you. So we, we are going to cherish him this morning like he's sitting right inside of you because he is so good. Well, we're going to kind of be all over the place this morning in the Bible. Um and you know uh, in Hebrews 1 uh it starts off saying um God all throughout the Old Testament was speaking through prophets bit by bit little by little to lay a foundation that would lead to the Messiah and it says now he speaks openly in the language of a son. That the language of God is the language of Jesus. And every question we have about the Old Testament is answered in beholding Jesus. And Hebrews 1.4 says, he is the exact representation of God. The exact mirror of what God is really, really like. And so when when we look at the whole of our story, our inheritance, there's not an Old Testament story and a New Testament story. There's not an Old Testament God and a New Testament God. This is our God. And all that was needed to, Uh, restore justice was poured out on Jesus. So when we ask the question, when we're pouring over the gospels, where did the angry God go? What, What we're looking at and understanding is everything that was needed to redeem a sinful, fallen, broken, twisted up world. We cannot have a holy God who could turn his eye to the evil done to you. You cannot have a holy God who would stand by and do nothing at the injustice pouring into the earth. Love required that brokenness and sin and destruction had his attention. And the cross is the attention of heaven to every violation that has ever been done against humankind. And so when uh, we look at the beauty of what Jesus has done, we're finding redemption for every loss we've ever endured. And, you know, in Psalm 22, uh, I, I just want to look at it for a second. This, this Psalm has 33, Steve will like this, I saw this. Steve probably already knows this. <laughs> um, has 33 prophetic fulfillments on the cross of Jesus. This Psalm alone, you know, uh, he's the prophecy fulfilled. Jesus. We love singing that song. We shout it. This Psalm alone has 33 fulfillments on the cross while Jesus was on the cross. And it gives us a snapshot. Uh, David is prophesying about the inner workings of the Messiah on the cross. And what I, I just wanted to look at a snippet and it's Jesus is speaking and David is prophetically prophesying what Jesus would feel. And he's thinking on the cross about the father. Listen to what he says. Lord, in verse nine, you delivered me safely from my mother's womb. You are the one who cared for me ever since I was a baby. This is Jesus talking to the father about his beginning on the earth when he was born in a manger, remember? Christmas, there was no room in the inn. And on the cross, he's thinking about his earthly beginning. That it did not begin with Mary. It began with a father who scooped him up. And it says, since the day I was born, I've been placed in your care. You've cradled me throughout all my days. I've trusted in you and you have always been my God. And you know, so much about the early days of Jesus are such a mystery. But what this gives us a glimpse into is Jesus was busy being loved by the Father from his first breath on the earth that he was modeling for us, what does a human being look like cradled by perfect love for 30 years? What does a human being untouched by the corruption of sin, by the deceit of sin, by the torment of sin, being passed down from generation to generation. He was not showing us. He did not come to earth to show us how to be God. We got to remind ourselves of that daily. A seat in the Godhead will not open up to any of us (laughs) for all of eternity. It gets confusing out there. Here to remind you. He came to show us What it looks like to be a son cradled in the perfect love of a perfect father every moment of every day. What what does that look like inside a human body? What does that look like inside your thought life, inside your mind, will, and emotions? that you were wired to look at the world from a place of utter security, from complete kindness. And and we see, you know, the, the only encounter in his childhood was when he was 12 years old and he was at the temple. And what does he tell Mary? I just want to be doing what my father's doing. That's why I was in here. I just want to be about my father's business. And, and we see this little snippet. You know, he was, a, he was a preteen. He had a lot of hormones going on in that body. And he had a passion for his father that was growing. The Bible said he grew inside the favor of God. What does it feel like to grow up inside the constant access of the favor of his face the watermark of favor in the kingdom is not gifts it's not talents it's not cars it's not money it's the presence of God and this is what all Old Testament prophets when we look at what they were prophesying into they would say "Ah." If only I could spend all my days inside the presence of God. If only I could never have to leave the prayer. If I could be a gatekeeper, I would feel the most wealthy person on the planet. Favor in the kingdom is his face. This is why Moses said, I'm not going with an angel. Why? Because an angel wouldn't be as much favor as his presence, as his face. And Jesus grew up inside perfect access to that favor. Never for a moment being twisted up by a perverted lie that my performance earns me favor. He grew up in a love that had no agenda, a love that was perfect. And so when we see him stepping into his earthly ministry at 30 years old, that is not the moment his relationship with the father started. That's the moment he began to be visible in his relationship with the Father. But he had been growing up, you know that, when you look into what this means, it means at his birth, he was laid upon the chest of the Father. And all throughout his ministry, when we just pour over the gospels, to to see what he looks like, to imagine ourselves in the story. He's constantly pointing us back to the father. And you know, at one point the disciples said, "Uh, just show us the father. It will be enough for us. He's like, oh my gosh. (laughs) He probably didn't say that. I made that up. And, He said, have I been with you this long? How many times have I said it? (laughs) If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Feel me. Look at me. You have felt him. You've seen him. In John 14, he said, even my words are not my own. Everything I'm saying is from my oneness with the Father. The things I do are not my own. He is working through me. And this is why you'll hear so much in the heart of our family about a season of miracles going after signs, wonders, and miracles, because the primary way Jesus manifested his oneness with the Father was through miracles. And he said, this is what he's like. Impossibility bows before him. Nothing on the earth is revered by him. He is high and lifted above it all. If the father is here, nothing is impossible. And he went about the earth, showing us a God who is good, a God who is gentle, a God who is kind, who is tender, a God who is honest, who tells the truth in love. And you know, John was the only one that made it to the crucifixion. And you know, you just gotta be in awe of so much, but I I gotta watch the time, because I have one point I really wanna get there. But it's a big story. It's a really big story. So I'm just (laughs) just giving a little jab. (laughs) And you guys ever, have you ever anticipated going to the dentist? It's like it's like six months out, whatever, they're busy. And you're you're legitimately stressed for six months. (laughs) And you know, he knew his assignment. He knew he he would be brutally crucified. He knew from the foundation of the world. And yet he got out of bed every morning and was patient and kind. And he wasn't living in three years from now. He was able to live present. He was able to live face to face with the one in front of him. And the majority of our anxiety on the earth is anticipating what's happening in the future. This is why Philippians says, be anxious for nothing because most of what we spend our energy being anxious about ends up in nothing. And being present in this moment with the Father, with the Holy Spirit was the way that Jesus lived, face to face. What kind of internal character structure Did it require to not just be like, oh, just get me to three years. I mean, let's just get over all of this. Let's just head to the cross. And over and over, he's, don't tell anyone it's not my time. I'm not going there yet. Hold, hold. At at one point, uh, you know, everyone was singing his praises and he knew they weren't being impacted. By who he really was. So he offended everyone in a moment. (laughs) And in the very next sentence, they wanted to push him off a cliff. (laughs) But the Bible says it wasn't his time, so he just snuck around all the rocks. (laughs) Because no one would take his life from him, he would lay it down on his own initiative. This is love. I lay my life down for my friends. And you know, we see this absolute security on the earth in, in the face of absolute turmoil all around him and that he modeled for us how how to be in the world but not of the world how to walk with humans who who have needs and are broken and hurting and not change who he is and he walked above the depravity and the poverty of an earth that is groaning without love. And he lived connected to the source of love. And, you know, he said this this oneness with his father was the, the, the basis of everything he did on the earth. And at, you know, the end of his life when he knew the cross was coming and he the Bible says he longed to show his disciples the full expression of his love and so remember he got the basin and the towel and the people who would not make it to the cross with him he longed to love with the whole of him. And he, he said to them, you all are about to leave me. You're all going to scatter. You know, even Peter's like, no way. I'm going to make it all the way. I'm going to make it all the way. He's like, you're not. You're not going to make it all the way. <laughs> and yet, none of who he would be to them was defined by them and he said you're you are all gonna leave me but I am not alone my father is with me that his reality with the father did not isolate him from humanity it kept them connected to humanity, I have a love that is bigger than your deficits. I will be the giver here. And he was able to hang on to his motive of love because nobody on the earth was his source of love. And on the earth, There is no human being that can generate love. God is love. How yielded we are to God determines how much pure love can flow through us. You cannot discipline yourself into being more loving. You cannot fast yourself into being more loving. You cannot renew your mind enough into being more loving. You yield your life to the God who is love. And and really a great litmus test of how much of God's love is flowing through me is my emotional state after I give. And a lot of times when I give, the Lord will have a little check-in with me. (laughs) You ever had these check-ins? I know you have, cause you're here. (laughs) So why are you ruminating about that stranger's face in the back? You don't even know who they are. Like, well, Oh, so you had an agenda. You needed them to receive in a certain way for you to feel good about what you gave. That was totally selfish. I'm sorry. I'm so glad you're here. Who would I be without you? Oh my gosh. When we get resentful, it's such great information. Oh, that was all me. That wasn't Jesus flowing through me. (laughs) And when we have an agenda, we burn out and we feel used. When we are a yielded vessel it's not what I'm giving, it's from my oneness with him. It's from my identity in him. And this is the way Jesus gave from his oneness with his source of love. And you know, the, the people who are most secure in this attachment to perfect love will take the most risks relationally. Because you you don't have anything to lose. I go home to the same love, no matter what you think of me or don't think of me, no matter what you have to give or not to give. I live at the center of the heart of love. So it's the opposite of and I'm I'm an island with Jesus. It's we will know they will know who he is by our love for one another. You will see how connected I am to him by my posture towards you. And Jesus loved with such a fierce truth that it disrupted a lot of religious systems and it was motivated by love. And you know, sometimes we can uh, be um, undeveloped in our kindness (laughs) and call it Christ-likeness. I'm just telling the truth. Well, Did you go to the cross for that person the following Wednesday? Because that was the kind of love that motivated his truth. That was the kind of kindness that motivated his truth. And so everything, when we look at the life of Jesus, centered Around this happy connection to the Father and the Holy Spirit. And it went both ways. The Father, he was so extreme. Let's split the clouds. I'm gonna be a thundering voice. The Holy Spirit's gonna come down like a dove and we're gonna tell everybody we love him. <laughs> tell them, tell them loud. We love him. We love him. He's the best. He belongs to us. He's our favorite. (laughs) And then, then, you know, the the big time on the mountain when Moses and Elijah come, the whole thing, I love him. Listen to him. So prophets come to the earth so the father could say, I love him so much. Listen to what he has to say. He's the apple of my eye. This is my boy. I love him, I love him, I love him, I love him, I love him. He's my favorite. And you know, Hebrews says Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy above all of his companions. What that means is he is the happiest person that has ever existed in human history, where, did he get that kind of happiness from his source of joy that was not in his job? He didn't even have one. It was not in his bank account. He didn't even have one. It wasn't in his wife. He didn't even have one. He did not derive his inner reality from the earth. He had an inner reality that propelled him towards the earth. And he was also, Isaiah says, a man that was acquainted with grief. He knew suffering. He was the high priest who could feel the bottom of humanity's grief. And that in all the heights and the lows of his human experience, he stayed centered on the reality of the Father. And when, you know, when we look at the cross... I just, I just wanna look at one of the things that he said, and it's worth taking our time meditating over all the things he said, because when you look at commentaries, it was very unusual for people being crucified to speak because their lungs were being crushed. So the amount of effort And pain it took to utter anything uh, was a massive deal. So it was obviously eternally significant to him that these words end up in the story. He wanted you to know what he was thinking about on the cross. And that's why, you know, we cherish Hebrews 12, too. Get your eyes off the distractions of the world. Put them on Jesus. Put them on the one who endured the scorn of the, of the shame of the cross. That means the shame of what was being done to him was not even being filtered through his mind. It was not a thought in his mind. What he was thinking about, Romans 12, 2, was the joy of knowing that you would be his and so I just wanna look at one of the things he said and I wish Tichig was here cause I wanted him to read it. So I'm gonna skip how it sounds in Aramaic and just get straight to English because uh, I'm not a theologian. <laughs> For three hours, beginning at noon, darkness came over the earth and at three o'clock, since he'd been hanging here for three hours, Jesus shouted with a mighty voice in Aramaic, saying, My God, my God, why have you deserted me? Why have you abandoned me? And he is quoting. Psalm 22, he's fulfilling the prophecy that all the abandonment that humankind would ever feel would crush him. The betrayal of Peter did not crush him. The betrayal of Judas did not crush him. The Pharisees did not crush him. Feeling the weight of humankind being separated from his father, from his life source, from his love source, from his joy source, crushed him. And this is the price he was paying, that at the bottom of what sin destroys is your capacity to be aware of your father. At the bottom of what trauma of any kind does is annihilate your mind being wired with love. Your heart being wired to be the beloved. And our mind, will, and emotions were completely destroyed in being able to uh, uh, access the presence of the Father, being able to know God is with me. I am not alone. I am not alone. And Jesus, the gift he was giving us is the access he lived with. That a what does a mind wired in perfect love look like, Jesus? What do emotions wired in perfect love look like, Jesus? And that he says, "Take heart. In the world, you are going to have tribulation. It's it's a prophetic promise." I am not taking you out of this broken, fallen world. I'm sending you into it with my father. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Be happy. Have cheer. You have a home like me in the father. This is what he came trumpeting. Foxes have holes, birds have nests. I have nowhere to lay my head because this is not where I belong. I belong with the Father. And he made a way for us to have the same access that he lived with, the same love. Several times in scripture that the father loved Jesus with, he loves you with. And this is where the cross becomes so personal. Because every place of your anguish, where you have felt abandoned by God, your mind wants to create a story to answer that question. Because I'm not good enough. Because I'm bad. Because I'm not enough. Because I have all of these deficits. Because, 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 because. And Jesus took everything your story taught you, about your worth and became it and absorbed it and allowed it to crush him. And in, you know, the, the, the next breath, it says, Jesus passionately cried out and he said, father into your hands i commit my spirit that jesus entrusted his spirit to the father and the the answer to this question is in second corinthians 5:19 it says god was in christ On the cross, God, our Father, was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And this is what we sang about today. Even when I can't feel it, you were there reconciling me to the Father. Even when I can't see it, you were there reconciling me bringing me home to the Father. And now my spirit man has stood up. This is what Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified. Everything that annihilated my capacity to perceive the Father, everything that destroyed and murdered my capacity to live loved was crucified. In that moment with Jesus, every place in my story that has taken me to the bottom of why did you abandon me is validated on the cross. Was there in Christ drawing you in. Baby, come home. Come home. Come home to love. And to be a disciple means I am training my mind to live as loved as my spirit. I am nourishing. My mind, will, and emotions that get caught up. You know, my, my body is on the earth. Your body is fully on the earth. Your soul is on the earth. Your spirit is in perfect union with the Godhead. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is where Ephesians says, you have been made Holy in your spirit through your union with Jesus. And being a disciple of Jesus means I am bringing the good news of the resurrection to every broken mindset in my brain. I am bringing the good news of the resurrection to every low, hurting, traumatized place in my soul. And I'm learning to no longer live interacting with the world around me from my soul. I'm learning to live from my spirit to my soul. And you can have a spirit man that's in complete oneness with Jesus and a soul that's utterly broken. Without discipleship, without the process of living loved, we will not look like Jesus on the earth. And we will not access our inheritance now. And the first person, the most significant person you will ever disciple in the kingdom of God is your own soul. And if you bypass your soul, you've diminished how personal the cross is to you. So when you feel anything less than what Jesus's inner life looks like to you and feels like to you. That's good information for where your soul needs discipleship, where your soul needs resurrection life. And this is where, you know, uh, Jesus rose from the dead. That's a, pretty significant part of the story. <laughs> Defeated death, put every demonic thief under his feet. This is what the thief came to steal. Not your money, not, not all these things. The thief came to steal your capacity to live one with God. To steal, kill, and destroy your capacity to know His grace is for me. His grace is sufficient for me. I am wanted. I am loved. I am chosen. Uh, The life I live no longer belongs to me. It's Christ living through me. He put all of that under his feet. And, uh, you know, Mary, remember Mary, she was weeping at the tomb because it was empty and she felt empty because his body wasn't there and what did Jesus say he said Mary don't touch me when she realized it was Jesus he said don't touch me and when Jesus he, he said I am Res- I, am, I haven't ascended to the Father yet. And Jesus' mission was this ascension to the Father. That no longer would your proximity to him on the earth, Mary, define your relationship to him. But spirit to spirit, oneness with him. So let's just go ahead and all stand up. This is where he has given us the gift right here where you are today to access his love, his presence in perfect oneness. So everything in your mind, that you're waiting on to live in perfect union with him. Jesus is not waiting on. So Jesus, we thank you. We honor you. It will take all of eternity to celebrate the beauty of what you have gifted us, what you have given us. So this morning we fill up all of our space We belong to you. Everybody says, amen. Happy Easter. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.